lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We trust that this week's message is encouraging and full of hope for wherever you are at. But I want to dig uh, for the next two weeks um, into just a two-part series called Measure Up. And then when we get into December, uh, we're planning a, a series of talks through the month of December called It's a... I forget the second word. Crazy, messy, wonderful life. It's a crazy, messy, wonderful life. And we're going to explore um, the black and the white and the nuance of family, of relationships, of, of marriage, uh, of siblings, kids. We're going to just take the month of December and talk about family. And we're branding it, it's a w- crazy, messy, wonderful life. Because it's not always just wonderful in our home anyways. It's often crazy and messy, and I, I think you can probably relate. But I want to dive into um, part one of Measure Up. Lots of different ways that we can measure things in life. Uh, play with me for a minute. Tape measures, rulers, measuring sticks, scales, measuring cups, uh, teaspoons, tablespoons, you name it. There's lots of different ways we can measure things. Back in 2008, I, that was the last time I went for a tuxedo fitting. My buddy Matt Fabry was getting married and I had to go for a tux fitting. And if, if, uh, if you've ever gone to get a suit measured before, they take your height without shoes on, your top of your head to your floor. They take your neck circumference, uh, you know, my big thick neck, chest, uh, circumference under the arms, chest circumference over the arms, sleeve length, neck from the, over the shoulder down to this and the waist and the hips and the outseam. And, and they take all these measurements. Why? So that your suit fits. You're like, duh. <laughs> It's a no-brainer, Jono. Yeah. Um, Why do we need to measure stuff? Cooking and baking. Have you ever, like, measured improperly when you were baking something? Oh, yeah. One time I baked a three-layer carrot cake. Um, It was, like, the most beautiful recipe and, like, cream cheese frosting. And I I measured the uh, baking soda poorly, and the, uh, the cakes didn't rise. So they were like carrot pucks. They were like... I don't even know what to describe them. So I just put more icing in between the layers and tried to stack it up higher. It was terrible. Um, building things, why we measure to get things right when we're building. Have you ever measured uh, a space in a home when you're moving a piece of furniture in to make sure that what? It fits, right? Have you ever measured um, uh, your body size to make sure that clothes fit properly? We measure for a lot of different reasons. My dad taught me when I was a kid. Uh, my dad was a carpenter. And when it came to measuring lumber... My dad always said, who thinks, who thinks they know what my dad always said? Yeah, do you know my dad? How do you know Bert? Bert always said, son, measure, measure twice, cut once. And then uh, in 2009, I was building a deck for my family. And I know I don't look handy, but I am. And uh, <laughs> I was building a deck, and I was in a hurry because the sun was going down, and it was like the last few things and I was cutting a step for the staircase, and I didn't measure twice. I just measured once, and I measured poorly, and I, I cut my last piece of wood right in half, but I cut the stair too short. And so then I'm like, ah. So I got to go back to the lumber store, get another piece of wood, measured three times uh, just to make up for the one I missed. And uh, I, you know, measure twice, cut once. I will never forget that. What's the one measurement that most people don't want to talk about. They don't want to give out that information. Weight. Somebody quickly said weight. 
Yeah, we don't, we don't like to talk about our weight. I, I don't mind saying that I'm a lean 180 pounds. I have no problem talking about that. My clothes weigh a lot, but I'm, you know, underneath, I'm, you know, heck yes. Um, maybe we're embarrassed about our weight in my case, right? But uh, measuring things is important. And did you know that actually to take measurements is an indicator of whether or not things are healthy? Every time I take my kids to the doctor, what's the first thing they do? They measure them. They weigh them. They measure them because they want to know, are your kids growing? Are they maturing at a healthy rate? And we often think about measuring our lives as being a bad thing. And I will say comparison in the wrong to- context, I'm going to call it what it is. It's, it's wrong. We're, miss- we're missing the mark when we take too much energy and creative time to compare ourselves to other people. But um, we use tape measures, scales, measuring cups. We use them confidently. And we trust that whoever manufactured those measuring devices took the proper checks and balances to make sure that they were accurate. How many people would be up in arms if the company that made scales, you know, were just like, ah, so what? It's off by a few pounds, right? And so you step on the scale thinking you're this, but you're actually that, and and there'd be anarchy, right? The world would collapse in a fit of rage if the scale company didn't use proper checks and balances to ensure that when you stepped on that scale that it was accurate. And we trust that whoever's making these things is doing a good job. What about your life? Here it comes. What tools do you use to measure your existence on planet Earth? Your human contribution, how do you measure it? Do you use other people's lives to measure up? Your siblings, why can't you be more like that one? Celebrities, hopefully not. It's not not that I'm against celebrities, but to to measure our lives against them, it feels a little ridiculous. Um, What about your work colleagues? Do you measure your life against the people that you work with? And why why did they get that? promotion, or why did they get that raise, and what's wrong with me, and what about social media? Shoot, he said it, right? We compare our lives to the best moments of other people's lives as we take hours and hours of depression to scroll through, and we're, we're comparing outfits, we're comparing clothing, we're comparing homes, we're comparing uh, kids, and you know, and sometimes I do that. I'm like, man, whose kids are these, right? I look at everybody else's kids on Instagram, and they're so perfect. There must have been a mistake at the hospital. These can't, no, this can't be mine. We compare makeup. I don't, because I don't wear it yet, but um, maybe one day I will. Um, so maybe you use other people's lives to compare your life. Maybe you use other people's expectations to compare your life. We talked about that in our labels series Uh, But maybe a spouse and expectations that your spouse has communicated at some point in the past that you feel like you're not living up to, and so you're comparing against these things. Maybe uh, a supervisor or a manager or a boss at your workplace, your perceived, what what you perceive to be their expectations. I remember when I was first dating Nicole, we uh, were living in Winnipeg. We traveled to Edmonton to visit a little bit of family, and I met Nicole's great-grandmother, uh, who has since passed away, but Oma Bauer, uh, when I first met her, Nicole walked me up to Oma, 
And we could use this table, pretend it's Oma, because she was about this tall. She was little. And um, she didn't even look at me. Nicole's like, hi, Oma, this, this is Jonathan. I, that's my real name. But, um, and she didn't even make eye contact with me. She just looked at Nicole and she said, that's nice, dear. Is he German? And I'm like, I'm right, I'm right here. Like, I'm right here. And Nicole goes, no, Oma, he's not. But he's Dutch. And Oma goes, that's good enough. <laughs> right? So Oma's expectations of a suitable life partner for her great-granddaughter, you know, started with, is he German? I'll never forget that. I laughed and laughed and laughed. So maybe you use other people's expectations to try and measure up. Maybe, uh, I thought about this one, maybe you use your past or your former self to try and measure up your previous achievements or something that you used to be good at that you can't do anymore because of season change or life change or health reasons, former accolades. I put it this way, some shadow of what we believe to have been our prime in life. And you're constantly weighing your life and measuring up to your former self. There's no harm in measuring your life. There's no harm in it. So long as your motive for measurement is stewardship and you're using the right tools to measure with. Often we think of comparison and and measuring our life as being like, oh, don't even go there. But I think there's no harm in measuring our our worth in our life, providing that our motive for measurement is that we want to be good stewards of our life and that we're using the right tools to do it. The wrong tools, other people's lives, other people's expectations, our past, our former self. These are wrong tools. These are not good things to measure your worth. And as I thought it through, it's going to sound simple, but I'll unpack it. The measuring tool that I think we want to look at if we're serious about learning to grow in our trust and how we're learning to follow Jesus is his life. We're going to measure up and and evaluate our worth and our value based on the person and the character and the nature of Jesus. And that's what I'd like to take the next few minutes to talk about. Can we pray together? God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and to just come and physically show up with other people who are wanting to learn, wanting to grow. Um, Maybe they've got questions. Maybe they've figured a few things out, but we're all here for the same reason. We believe there is a God, and we want to sense and experience something today as we're learning and questioning. I invite you into this talk as we look at this subject and as we look at the life of Jesus that you change our lives, help us grow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I believe that comparison is either going to enslave you to feeling awful, jealous, resentful, and less than, or it's going to invigorate you to take the daily steps to living your best life as a credit to the message of Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. If you're not taking notes and you have a smartphone, you want to take a picture of the screen, you can do that too, like Mona in the front row. And... Uh, But I believe that comparison is either going to enslave you to feeling awful, jealous, resentful, and less than, 
or it's going to invigorate you to take the daily steps to living your best life as a credit to the message of Jesus. There's this beautiful standard for all of us as we learn to trust and follow Jesus. It unifies us. And the world that we live in likes to talk about unity, but we need to remember that unity is not uniformity. Those are very different things. Uniformity means that we are the same, that we, we act, speak, live, behave. And sometimes um, Jesus' church has a reputation of being uh, involved with uniformity, that in order to fit in, I have to, I have to wear the uniform. But I want to talk today about a spirit of unity, which is very different than uniformity. And, and in, the, in the context of learning to measure and weigh our life in the person of Jesus, what we each do with our life varies. You and I are living different stories. It's very different. However, how we do what we do can be that unifying factor. And that's following Jesus. So how do we measure and assess our worth? Um, let's look to the, a book in the Bible called Romans and chapter 12. Just three verses there that I want to read out loud. And it's okay if you don't have a Bible with you. Uh, you can read along on the screen behind me. But <clears throat> here's what it says, Romans 12, verses 1 through 3. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourself to God, to be His sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in God's eyes. And the author here says, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Interesting that as we read this in context, it could have been written yesterday. And that to me is so powerful about the truth of what the early church began teaching and, and living out. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement. And then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. Romans 12, 1 through 3 in the Passion Translation. To measure up is to honestly assess your worth in light of God's grace as you live your life in the love of Jesus. So when I talk about each one of us leaving here today saying, this week I want to I learn to measure up, it's not in comparison to other people. It's not in comparison to other people's expectations. It's not in comparison to our past self. It's simply in comparison to the grace of the story of Jesus, the truth of the messaging of his life, and how we choose to live in light of that grace as we walk out every day as an example of what it means to love well. We learn in Romans 12 that we, we have to choose to live in the surrender of what it means to be God's sacred and living sacrifice. 
That's heavy. That's weighty. We'll look at more of that next week. We need to learn to express ourselves through living out that which delights the heart of God. To allow God's Spirit to actually reform how we think about things. To empty our life of self-promotion and false images. Does that mean we can't use Instagram? Shoot, right? No, we just have to use it well. <laughs> Romans 12, same, same text, different translation. The message translation says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place your life before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and then you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, and he develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you, living then as every one of you does in pure grace. It's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are, get this, bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. And the tendency when we begin to have a desire to follow Jesus and wrap up our worth and measure our life in comparison to the message of Jesus, the lie that we can quickly slip into is that if I'm good enough, if I behave in a certain manner, if I go back to maybe my roots of what I used to hear in church and some system of law and rule-based living, that if, I'm, if I measure up to that, well, then I can win God's favor. And the truth is, that's an old agreement. That's not the agreement that we're a part of. That's not the agreement that Jesus came to set forth as being real and healthy and vibrant and full of life. And you can see through both texts today, it leans in heavy to just simply abiding, resting in grace, God's undeserved favor, and then living a life that just blasts love into our workplace, into our family, into our home, into our neighborhood, into our recreation, everything we do. The ultimate sin of comparison is entitlement. And in the context of our faith, we say things like, God is, fill in the blank, therefore I should have or I should be this. And, and the past, whatever we've learned or whatever we've heard about God's nature, we think that because God is that, I should have this. And, and that is not what I'm talking about today. That's actually spiritual entitlement at its worst. Because this text says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you simply take your everyday life, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your changing diapers and feeding your toddlers and walking around and going through the store, that kind of place, and place that before God as an offering. Okay. So I just, like, what does that mean? It means like when I'm at Sobeys, down the, the meat aisle? What, what does that mean? How do I place that moment before God 
as an offering. Well, it's actually about how we choose to see our life in that moment, not as just our life, but as a part of a story in a greater context of a greater story surrounded by a whole bunch of other people who don't yet know his story. That's what it means. It means that we have to live in the tension of getting our checklist done while we take the time to value and show love to other people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open that wide next week, and I want to encourage you to come back for part two of this. But I believe that comparison is either going to enslave us to feeling awful and jealous and resentful and like we don't measure up, or it's going to invigorate us with this incredible joy as we take steps every day to live our best life as a credit to the message of Jesus. Um, when I was going to uh, Bible college, I studied voice. I, was, I, I studied with a vocal coach for quite a few years. And, and I, I love to sing. And I found a teacher that I just learned so much from. And what I would do in my early years as a singer, I was studying, I was classically trained. Um, so maybe, maybe at Christmas I'll bust out some opera or something. But um, my vocal coach at the University of Manitoba, um, you know, he would give me these other guys to listen to. And so I was listening to baritones like uh, Bryn Terfel, who's an incredibly talented singer, Gerald Finley, Dietrich Fischer, um, Dieskau, and uh, these guys who are just like incredible singers. And so I would listen to recordings of them and then I would try and mimic my voice to match their voices. And it, it never worked. It never worked well for me. I would come back to a lesson having worked on a piece, and I would have found a recording, which was actually hard to do back in the mid-'90s because MP3s weren't a thing yet. Um, you know, so I'd actually have to go to the library and find a physical CD and listen to these recordings. and try. And I was trying to match my my developing voice with these mature sounds that these men had been work, working on for years. And then I'd come back to a lesson and I would sing through a piece and my teacher would be like, what are you doing? Who are, who are you even trying to sound like? And uh, so he made me go to the store and, and buy this cheap tape recorder. And he said, stop listening to other guys. Stop it. And what I want you to do is I want you to push record on that cassette and I want you to sing through the piece, and then I want you to sit down and rewind it and play it back and listen to yourself. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. That sounds like torture. And so that was one of the strategies that I had to utilize. And he, he, every week he would ask me, how many hours did you spend listening to yourself this week? And so I began this, this season of, and this habit of, of, of recording myself singing and then listening to myself and going, oh, oh that didn't sound, that tone wasn't quite right there. And so I'd get up and I'd sing through that and I would explore just like my own posture and the shape of my, my crafting my sound and my tone and my support. And, and, I, would, and I would re-record and I'd go, oh yeah, that actually sounds way better. And then I would work through a piece time after time after time after time methodically recording myself and measuring my own growth against what was inside of me. And then Mel Braun, my vocal coach, was like, hey, now we're, now we're getting somewhere. And I thought about that story because... Rather than compare my God-breathed gift and my God-breathed ability to other people and their ability, I began to regularly and habitually measure my growth against me. And by me, when we choose to follow Jesus, we have to remember that me includes every part 
of the creative, beautiful, all-encompassing spirit of God. When we line up our life and say, I want to follow Jesus, the gift of God's Holy Spirit is ours, and it actually becomes a part of how we live. So the me I'm comparing myself to isn't just my physical self, but it's me learning to trust that God is working in me and through me and helping me grow. Because there's no harm in measuring your life so long as your motive for measurement is stewardship. I want to get better. I want to grow. Not as a race with other people or a comparison to someone else's life or expectations of me, but just the raw fact that God's gift inside of me deserves my best every day. And my motive for doing it as I steward is to remember that my life is a part of something greater than just my life. My life fits into this moment in history, which fits into 2018, which fits into the entire history of what God has been doing in the world up until now. And your unique story as a part of his story, when done well and when stewarded and when comparison to the person and the nature and the character of Jesus as he allows us to grow, becomes something that looks and smells and tastes and sounds and and smacks of love in the world that we live in. And that's why we're here. With all humility, never forget that it's the very Spirit of God that has filled up your life to overflowing. The lie is believing that somehow my individual life needs to measure up in comparison to other people's individual life. We're not all in lanes doing our own thing. We're meant to be a body. We're meant to be a family. And not just this room, but this this city that we impact every day. This is the beautiful standard for each of us as we learn to trust and follow Jesus. This is what unity and family and fellowship and being a part of something looks like. It means that we all, mindful of each other and mindful of the world that we live in, realize that our story matters. Our story counts for something. And that God wants to live out a part of his story through my story and through your story and how we live in the world around us as we compare ourselves to the person of Jesus. Man, we all grow in what it means to measure our lives by measuring up. That's our standard. It's the core values of Jesus that become the tape recorder playback for our growth. It's the the nature and the character and the life and the example of the historical man we call Jesus that we can readily look to that becomes our measure twice, cut once. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday life. Take what you deem to be your ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Readily recognize what God wants from you and then quickly respond. Some of you are like, well, what is it? What does he want from me? He wants you to live your life in a way that's a credit to the story of Jesus. There's, There's simply one statement that covers every part of our existence. There isn't a long list of rules. There isn't an exhaustive book of things we have to fulfill to measure up. But Jesus invites us into simply learning about what it means to love God well and to love our neighbors well. 
that's what I want to unpack further next week. But today I simply want to leave you with this. Remember that unity is not uniformity. What we do with the unique life that we've each been given by God is going to vary. But how we do that is what includes us in this family. It's our motive for stewarding. It's our desire to reach into other people's lives and allow our story to resonate with others. Romans 12, 1 through 3, we choose to live in the surrender. We express ourselves through living out what delights God. We allow Holy Spirit to reform how we think. We empty our lives of self-promotion and all the stuff that other people seem to be really good at. We just say, it doesn't even matter to me. If I'm going to promote anything, it's going to be his story, his love. Comparison's either going to enslave you to feeling awful, jealous, resentful, and less than, or it's going to invigorate you to take daily steps to living your best life as a credit to the message of Jesus. I want to close with this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, we have become God's poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny that he's given each of us. Because we're joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good work that we would do to fulfill that destiny. I used to think that the good work that God prepared ahead of me was like all these specific things that I had to figure out and then do. And if I missed the good works that God had prepared ahead of time for me, I was screwed. But as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that the good work that God prepared ahead of time for us is to trust him, lean into his love, learn his unforced rhythms of grace, and then live love. Love God love neighbors, that's actually, that's actually the good work that God pre-planned for us to do. And so what the question is, is will we today and tomorrow, will we take our life? You might be here today and think your life is extraordinary, and you might think your life is kind of ordinary, but whatever kind of life you think you have, today and tomorrow and the next day, will you place your life, your, your every day, you're walking around, you're getting up, you're eating breakfast, you're yelling at your kids because they left their socks on the floor again. That life, place that life before God as an offering. And in each one of those moments, just remember that your story isn't just your story. Your story is a part of this beautiful, comprehensive historical story of who God is and how he's working in the world and how he wants to use you to work in the world that we live in and live through you as you learn to trust, live, and love. Let's measure up. Let's measure up this week. Let's measure up. Let's measure up in a way that we remember his story and how it's playing out in our story. God, thanks so much for the opportunity to just hear and learn. In, in many ways, we all wrestle and struggle with this idea of comparison. I don't know why, but it seems to be easier and easier in this world that we live in to, to look at other people's existence and somehow think that they've got more or better or faster or newer or better behaved, I, I don't know, whatever the comparison lie is, but it's so easy to do. It's so easy to fall into the routine of thinking that what we have isn't good enough and what we have um, doesn't qualify us to know you and experience you and what we have somehow discounts our life as not being important or vital. But today, 
your heart, God, for every person in this room is to qualify and measure our worth through the lens of Jesus. And we don't even have to wonder if we can live up to that. We just have to choose it. We just have to step out. We just have to trust every day and live in the tension between feeling not good enough and living as your son and daughter, living as one of your kids, living love in a way that that shouts out how how good you are and how you want to love the world that we live in. God, let our motive for measuring our lives always be one of growth and stewardship. Never one of looking to the left, looking to the right, looking to the past, but simply looking up, looking up to who you are and how you want to live out your story through our story. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. There's a, uh, there's a, a unique kind of peace in this room right now. And I just feel like um, I want to take just a quick minute and acknowledge that some of you here have lived a life of comparison. From the moment that you can first recall You've always compared or been compared to other people, other people's expectations, your own past. And you've struggled with defining your own worth in light of something that's so much greater than other people and other people's expectations in your past. I just feel right now that that God's presence in this space is bringing healing and, uh, and bringing life and even just allowing a glimmer of hope and courage to surface and say maybe we've been using the wrong tools to measure our life. Maybe, maybe I need to lean in to this person, this man named Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. Visit EvolveChurch.com for more information. And if you ever in the Edmonton area, stop by.